Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Good morning, Harbor City. And to all of you who are watching with us online today, we're so glad you're with us in worship and hopefully in uh, enjoying the word as we give it in just a moment. Let me just say in a moment, we will be turning to Luke chapter 10 and 1 Peter 5. Uh, and let me say this. I've had some people say to me, I, I, I feel this way. We need to start opening some things up. I mean, nail salons, hair salons, waxing centers, and tanning places, I think they're all closed up and they need to open up because things are really starting to get ugly out there. All right, that's, that's a little joke for me. So you should know that I'm trying to lighten this up as best I can. Also, uh, what types of jokes are allowed during the corona uh, quarantine? Well, from what I've heard or learned, only inside jokes are allowed. All right, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed, or not leave here changed, stay here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Eventually, I'll get that down and then we'll we'll be back together. Anyway, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Satan's Worst Nightmare, And last time I spoke, we talked on understanding your enemy, and I'd like to continue with that same theme today. Uh, As a pastor, one of the things that concerns me is about new believers, new Christians, uh, as they come to know Christ, uh, just in a short time, it seems like they get slaughtered and devoured by our enemy, Satan. So the purpose of this series is to equip those of you watching uh, and, and help you how to know how to overcome your enemy. It tells us in Luke 10, 19, these words. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Luke 10, 19. So the scripture tells us two things. Number one, the devil is our enemy. And number two, we have all authority over him. But the next verse tells us not to rejoice in our authority and power over evil spirits, but to rejoice in the fact that your name and my name is written in heaven. Now, John 10.10 also says this, the thief comes uh, not, or the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So, uh, Jesus tells us here that he came to give us a life that is extraordinary, surpassing, and uncommon. And uh, that's why uh, 
so the question I want to ask is, why doesn't that happen more often then in, in Christians' lives? Well, it's because we don't understand our enemy and we don't realize he is pure evil and he's out to kill or steal and destroy uh, your purpose and your desti- destiny. And let me remind you, I told you a couple of weeks ago that 60% of Christians, this is by Barner Research, do not believe that there is a devil, which is one of the reasons why so many Christians are easy prey for the enemy. Now, it tells us this in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Then it says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So Peter, who who had been through a lot of spiritual warfare, uses the analogy of a lion to describe our enemy, and he gives us two things that we need to do uh, to keep from being devoured by the devil. Here's the first thing we need to do. Number one, be sober. And the word sober means to be self-controlled. In other words, self-control with our appetites uh, of the flesh, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It it doesn't mean you can't have fun, but it does mean uh, to not let your flesh get out of control to where you cross lines. Areas of our flesh that get out of control are open doors for our enemy to come in and begin to devour us. The second thing he tells us to do is be vigilant. Now, the word vigilant means to be on, uh, on the alert and to be watchful. So, and he tells us to do that because your enemy, my enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It reminds me of a few times in my married life where I've kind of, Lois has been in the, in the kitchen and she doesn't know I'm there and I just kind of tiptoe in, sneak up on her, kind of get real close to her and go, ah! And then she jumps and uh, mad at me for a little bit, and then uh, everything's okay. And I like doing that to people. I just don't like that being done to me, but that's exactly what the enemy does in our lives. Now, I want to give you, he gives us two things to do, but then he gives us three reasons why to do them. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, because... Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So the first thing you need to realize, the reason we need to be sober and vigilant is because he is your adversary. He's your opponent, all right? And that, so how does that look? What does that look like? The word devil means thought caster, okay? We told you what Satan meant a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, but the word devil means thought caster. In other words, He uses your thoughts to trip up your walk. So if we want to become Satan's worst nightmare, we are to be self-controlled over our thought life. And we need to be watchful over any thoughts that don't line up with God's word in our lives. Secondly, the reason we're to be sober and to be vigilant is because he is active. He's walking around to see if you are vulnerable. He's he's not waiting for you to come to his territory. He's coming to your territory, and he's stalking you. He's trying to produce in you a mistake that will give him uh, an advantage 
and an opportunity to take territory in your soul and in your body, which are called strongholds, all right? Thirdly, the reason we're to be sober and vigilant is it tells us his appetite for your life is total destruction. He's not a snuggler. He's not a snacker. He's not your friend, and he's not your pet. He is a devourer. And remember, it doesn't say can devour it because that would mean he has the ability to devour you without your permission. No, he's looking for someone to give him permission to devour your purpose and your destiny. And that is why it's so important for you and I to understand how our enemy operates in our lives. So with these last few minutes, I want to tell you or help you understand the nature of lions and the jungle. There's an old song that says, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. Near the village, the peaceful village, the lion sleeps tonight. Near the village, the quiet village, the lion sleeps tonight. I just want you to know those lyrics are a lie. The first thing you can write down about lions is this. They are nocturnal. One of the things you learn when you are in the jungle is that you're safe during the day, but you're not safe at night. Lions and other cats like panthers and leopards, they sleep about 20 hours a day, but for four hours every night, they are very active running around. The only time I've been in the jungle was when I, was, uh, I took a mission trip to India years ago, and there was a, a team of about 12 of us, and uh, we had to take a six-hour drive on a mini bus van uh, into a, uh, a jungle that really we were on a road that was undrivable. It should have never been. No, no vehicle should have gone there, but we did. And I'll never forget as we were driving out of the jungle that night, and it's pitch dark. One of the girls said, I have to go to the bathroom, and I can't hold it any longer. Actually, I was thinking I kind of needed to go myself. So the driver stops the van and says, are you sure you have to go right now? And she said, yes. So the driver takes a flashlight and he shines it out into the jungle and just out the window, he says, you can step out there if you want to, but I want you to know there's a panther right over there. See his eyes? And sure enough, about 10 yards from the mini bus van was this panther, and his eyes were glaring from the light of the flashlight. To which the girl said, you know, for some reason, I don't have to go now. So one thing you need to know is when it comes to our enemy, it's dangerous at night, and you might want to write this down. Darkness is the devil's domain. You are safe in the light but you are in danger in the darkness. In fact, you need to know most sin takes place at night. It dwells in darkness. That way we can hide the sin that we participate in. Now, look at this verse, Ephesians 5.8. It says, for you, once, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light and understand that you're, as a Christian, You need to love the light more than you ever have before. One thing we need to remember is your enemy's domain is darkness. So don't love darkness, love the light. And when you make a mistake, just be quick to to confess it and get back into the light of God's word. Here's the second thing you can write down. 
They don't attack what is perceived as larger and mightier than they are. In other words, you can be in a Range Rover with, a, with no top on it and just, just the metal around it, not even doors really, and uh, you, can, you can be out on a safari. And here's what I've learned uh, just watching some, some videos on this. The lions can be all around your vehicle, but they won't harm you uh, because the truck is larger than they are. Secondly, you don't smell good. And thirdly, you're not messing with their food, so they will leave you alone. But if you step out of the truck, they will kill you. A good example of this, many years ago, a Japanese tourist, uh, he thought, oh, the lions are so nice. The lions are so tame. The lions are, are just, I, I probably could pet them. So he stepped out of the vehicle without permission to take some photos And the lions, once they saw just a personal profile, they attacked him, mauled him, and ate him right in front of his family. So you need to understand, Christian fellowship is like the truck. For every Christian, when we meet in the large gathering, like in this building, or when we meet in homes, uh, like you, some of you are doing, and now maybe meeting with a couple other people, or maybe when you meet with someone one-on-one and have coffee with them, uh, whatever it might be, that, that, that small meeting is your vehicle. Look at these verses in Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now look at this verse. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So this means this. Because of Jesus, we are friends, we are family, and we gather together to help each other become stronger in our walk with God so we can live, love, and look more like Jesus. We are not lone rangers. And that's why this pandemic has been so hard. We were never meant to be alone for long periods of time. And uh, this is very important. So let's say Satan's coming to look for a vulnerable place to get in. And, and maybe you're not a weightlifter and you've got a puny little body and you're maybe like me. And so you're not working out like some other people are and you don't look buff. And so he says, there's a vulnerable person like Doug Cotton. But what happens is when he sees Doug Cotton, maybe with, with Derek Peterson and, and uh, some others, and he comes up on us and he thinks he can devour us, here's the thing. When Derek and I and others are together and we're praying Jesus is in our midst. And even though we can't see Jesus Jesus because he's spiritual, and we can't see our enemy because he's spiritual, I just want you to know, Satan can see Jesus, and he will not touch you because he's already been defeated by Jesus. So where two or more are gathered together, Jesus is in our midst, and you are untouchable. That's why the, the truck of fellowship is so important. So what lions do, they stalk a herd uh, hoping for a weak one, but they will not uh, stalk you and me if we stay close together. But they look for that weak one to break off, and that's why uh, they go after that weak one. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love. This is what we do when we come together in small groups or even in the big setting as well. Stir up love and good works, not forsaking 
the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So gathering in large groups, in homes, in groups of two or more Christians, in coffee shops or in our, in our cars, uh, you need to know, if you're going to be the devil's worst nightmare, you need to stay in Christian fellowship. Now, my hope is that if we've learned anything through this coronavirus, it's this, that all of us uh, will never take for granted meeting together again in the large setting or in homes or in coffee shops. And I just want to say to those of you who've been isolated and alone, you need to get in fellowship. You need to get in a small group. Get into uh, CR if you're struggling with, with different hurts, ha habits, and hangups. Get into a freedom group. Get into some type of fellowship group with small groups. But get in there. Stay close because the devil's looking for a place to isolate you and get you. Now, here's what he'll do. Here's the best way I can describe how the devil works. He uses five devices, many more than that, but this is what I consider the biggest ones that I've seen as a pastor. He will bring disappointment into your life. Things didn't work out the way you thought, which leads to discouragement. And then you get discouraged. And when you get discouraged, you stop praying, you start blaming other people, which means it leads to deception. So you start believing lies about yourself and about other people, and then it leads to doubt and distrust. And when that happens, you start living a life uh, in disillusionment and isolation, which is where pride resides. Now, I'm going to tell you a verse. I don't know if it's on the screen, but here's a verse that I think is so important because pride resides in isolation. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2 says this, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Why? Because nobody can speak into his or her life. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart or his own opinion. Pride says, I can do it on my own. Pride says, I don't need God or anyone else in my life. So I just want to say to all of us this morning, don't let the enemy use his tools to isolate you and uh, get you alone because that's where they devour uh, Christians. So lions are nocturnal. Uh, they won't eat anything perceived larger than they are or, or that are stronger than they are. And remember this, we are stronger and better together. Thirdly, they are territorial. Everything in the wild is about territory. Now, when we were in the jungle in India, on the way in our van had a flat tire and it was getting uh, almost dark. And we're about a couple of miles from the village and we're supposed to be, that we're supposed to be going to. And, uh, the driver tells, and I'm with Pastor Mark Cargill, who had been to India once before, and uh, Pastor Mark Cargill, tough dude, just a man's man, and he was letting me know everything will be okay. Well, I just, I thought, you know, Pastor Mark, I love you, you're my buddy, you're my friend, but I'm not so sure you really know what you're talking about. And so we, they told us to take this two-mile walk to the village to let them know we were going to be late. And I said, uh, do we have a gun or some type of weapon you can give us, a knife, a machete, to protect ourselves from the lions, the panthers, or the leopards, or a herd of elephants? Because I've been told that elephants can get crazy and wild as well. And, and there were uh, a herd of elephants is anywhere from three to 50 elephants. And so our guide says these words. 
The animals are afraid of you. You see, just when you see one, just don't move. Now, Genesis 9-2 does tell us that God has put the fear of man on all the animals. And I know that's probably true, except for my neighbor's dog doesn't believe that, or no one ever told my neighbor's dog that, because that dog feels like it's going to attack Lois and I every time we walk by it. But anyway, our guide says, the animals fear you, so just don't run. So we start walking down the dirt road. The van is out of sight now. We are alone on the road. And all of a sudden, the ground starts shaking, and we think we're having an earthquake. Then I look up, and I see probably anywhere from 12 to 15 elephants, lots of them anyway, heading towards us. And I'm remembering Mark says, don't worry, everything's okay. So I thought to myself, I'm going to get behind Pastor Mark. And he says, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, I'm going to offer you up as the evening sacrifice because I'm not going first. To which he starts trying to get behind me. Anyway, as the elephants got closer, we saw this little head with a, with a red covering sitting on the head of the, the lead elephant. And this guy was up there chanting something and clapping his hands like this and the, uh, uh, telling the herd of elephants where to go. And this little guy on top of the elephant was directing uh, 12 to 15 elephants on where to go. So Mark, Mark and I just looked at each other and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful, Jesus, for you being there. Anyway, let me just say this. A lion's roar is meant to intimidate you and me so that you will and I will run away from his territory. And if you run uh, away, you need to know this. You, you're going to be full of fear, and the enemy will detect it and chase after you. I, I saw a video this week uh, on YouTube uh, of a lion, uh, uh, actually a pride of lions. It's kind of interesting that lions run in a pride. And this pride of lions came after some elephants. And they, they isolated a young elephant all by himself. One of the lions jumped on top of the, the elephant's back, to bite into its nerves so that it would fall to the ground. The rest of them kept napping at its feet, and finally it came down. And uh, we need to understand, there was a jeep, though, just so you know this, there was a jeep of people right there. In fact, so much so, even the, the elephant came back against the jeep, but the lions never attacked the jeep with six or eight people in it because they were together. And they seemed larger, I guess, than the the elephant. Now, over the last few weeks, you've heard me use this verse a lot, but let me read it to you again. 2 Timothy 1, uh, 7, and it says this, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So, We need to stop responding to fear. I understand being wise. I understand having fears in in a healthy way. But you need to know that fear is not from God. Bad fear, chronic fear is debilitating. You were born with good fear. And Satan's fear is an added fear that tries to control your life and my life. It's a tactic of the enemy to keep you from taking your promised land uh, for your life. Uh, from the time I was eight years old, around eight years old on, 
I, I had this desire. I knew God had spoken to me that there was a call of God on my life. In fact, it had been confirmed to me by a, 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 my third grade Sunday school teacher. She said, there's a call of God on your life. I had a, another lady, Sister Emmert, besides my mother and my father, saying there's, there's a call of God on your life. And when the time finally came for me to get into ministry, I remember having this overwhelming fear come over me of being fearful to speak in front of people. What if I stutter, I thought? What, what if I don't have anything worth saying? What if uh, anyone doesn't, uh, what, what if I, my words doesn't help anyone? Uh, what if I drool? What if I spit? By the way, I've done all those things. And you're, uh, what if, uh, you're, you're going to get up and accidentally say a cuss, cuss word. Now, I haven't done that yet, but, but my wife has. <laughs> and then I get on staff at the church we were attending, and the lead pastor at the time decides to go on a sabbatical and leaves me for several weeks uh, to speak. And the first Sunday, uh, the worship team didn't show up. And I just want you to know, I was terrified. I was full of fear. And in less than a year, that, de- that pastor decided to step down, and they asked me to take his place. And even Lois thought it was a good idea. And, and I knew it was God's will. But every week, I was terrified and full of fear. But yet, in spite of that, the church kept growing. And what I want you to hear this morning is this. The moment God was thrusting me into taking my promised land he, that, he, that he put on my life, a roaring lion showed up to steal it from my life. And you need to know, fear is not your uh, emotion, but a demonic spirit trying to keep you from taking your promised land. See, the devil hates losing territory, and he knows if you take authority over it, and you begin to go after your promised land, which he's kept you out of, I want you to know he does not want to lose that territory. But you have a promised land, and and in your mother's womb, God gave it to you, uh, and he gave you a destiny. And there's an enemy standing on the border of your destiny telling you, you will fail. You aren't you aren't good enough. Uh, you've failed too many times. So that is why Peter wrote this portion of Scripture. He overcame the spirit of fear. We know he gave in to fear because he denied uh, Jesus, not only uh, as, as a Savior, but as, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But what he did is he overcame it. He, uh, through the power of Jesus Christ, he became an abnormal Christian and one of the devil's worst nightmares. So remember this today. Your enemy, the devil, is nocturnal. He doesn't see uh, or perceive things the way you do. And remember, he's territorial. And if you understand that, you can defeat your enemy day in and day out and take the promised land that he, he, he put on your life from the time you were in your mother's womb. All right. Now, this morning, I want to close in prayer and pray over the spirit of fear that is on some of your lives. Maybe you want to to stand up even in your own house and just say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to stand up with my husband. I'm going to stand up with my wife. I'm going to stand up in front of our kids and stand as a couple and take uh, power against the spirit of fear that has been on your life, your marriage, your family, even on your finances and your occupations. Let's pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of fear that's been assigned over many people's lives. We know the spirit of fear is not from you, Lord. You know, we, we know you gave us healthy fear, but not a fear 
of being able to fulfill your purpose on our lives. We pray, Lord, he will not be able to devour our ministries or our call. We pray, Lord, we will, uh, we will not run from you, but we will take the territory you assigned for our lives. We pray, Lord, that uh, we will bind the voice of the enemy, bind his lies, uh, bind his influence, and I pray, Lord, that you will help us to speak the truth, take our influence, take our ter- territory that you've assigned to us. We give you praise, we give you thanks for it, and we declare victory over every person that's listening to this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those of you who don't know Christ, you're not listening to this by accident. Today's your day. I want you to just believe this with me by faith. You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, and then you're saved. You come into God's family. You're no longer isolated, but you're living in the family of God. Say this prayer with me, and then let someone know that you gave your life to Christ today. Say this with me. Repeat after me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome into the family of God. If you don't have a local church, We hope you'll join us here every Sunday online. And when the doors open back up, we hope we get to see you here. Now you'll get some instruction on what to do next. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.